0: Welcome back to another episode of Ravens Recap, guys. I got to tell you, uh, the Ravens this year, the twenty twenty one Ravens, they're an exciting team this year. Like you cannot lie that they are not providing an entertainment value this year. Uh, after another overtime win against the Minnesota Vikings yesterday, thirty four to thirty one. Woo! I tell you what, man. At the end of the season, we're gonna be checked out for heart attacks or some sort of like heart disease because my goodness, they just keep finding ways to to pull out these. Games that are just, gosh, even too close, too close to to call. Uh, but they keep finding ways to win. Now that's six and two.
1: Yeah, man, there is no chance for a pee break with this team. You got to make sure that you do that at halftime and stagger your drinks strategically because <laughs> <laughs> you can't miss a play with the in most of these games. It's like uh, with the exception of the Denver game and. San Diego, we always say San Diego, the LA Chargers game, all these games have been been close, and every play has mattered, and man, there is so much to talk about with this game, just so many, so much good, so much bad, so much in between, it was one of the sloppiest games of football we've seen all year from both teams, but in the end, the better coach team won, and this team just You know, I think Harbaugh has an excellent locker room dynamic there with those guys. It just seems like a group of guys who are always pulling for each other no matter what happens and can pull themselves out and have a short memory when things go bad. It was an, an exciting game and much needed victory coming off the
2: bye. Yeah, I mean, this game was kind of wild. I know that it didn't start off well and we all kind of were shaking our heads. Slow starts for both sides of the ball. But the resilience and the way they bounce back, I think by uh, the time that we got within a touchdown, right? Uh, the, after the Pat Ricard drive, that's when I knew the Ravens were going to win the game. I was like, the defense is starting to play well. The offense is woken up. It's time. And man, I, I feel for all the Vikings fans, I feel for Allison. This team's really frustrating to watch, the Vikings. I think they're not using their weapons to the best of their ability. They've let a lot of games slip out of their fingers that they had control over, and uh, this was just another one, so I can see how frustrated they could be there, and I feel like there's a lot of dysfunction going on over there, so I kind of feel bad for that team, but really glad the Ravens were able to, I guess, add on to that storyline, because they really needed it, And, and I think the way that we look at the Ravens team right now, if they had lost this game, would be completely different. It's a very like okay. They're into their resilience thing. They're very good at coming back. But if they had lost it, then we'd have been like, oh, they put themselves in a bad situation. They were only able to, you know, they weren't able to do quite enough at the end. Like we can see that happening in the playoffs, which is definitely still a thing, right? Like the this the slow start thing needs to get corrected some way or another. That should be the number one focus on the team right now. But overall, I mean, I'll take a win. It's always good. Yeah, no, and I completely agree
1: with you with, um, I think for me it was even sooner than that that I felt that the Ravens were back in this game and and back in control was really the defensive stand after uh, Lamar's interception close to the end of of the second quarter. It's kind of ironic because the safety who picked off Lamar was the guy who was in for Harrison Smith, who uh, tested positive for COVID right before the game. So that was an area that, you know, Ravens fans, we thought, oh, we can exploit that. And at least in that case, um, that was not uh, fruitful for the Ravens. But, and we're going to talk a lot about the defense in this episode, I have a feeling, because this unit also started out slow, like the offense, but rebounded in a very strong manner. The defense just came out there. You know, there was only one play. Only one play did the offense run, so the defense has to come right back on the field. Now, granted, they only uh, gave up uh, six plays to the Vikings on the prior drive, but they, on a short field, they hold the Vikings to minus one yard of offense, force the field goal, give the Ravens enough time to go down the field and actually score a touchdown this time right before the half. they're only down seven going into the locker room. And on that drive, you could just kind of see... And I noticed it again today while we rewatching the film. Cousins starts to look a little bit uncomfortable. Like you can start to see that the Ravens pass rush, while they didn't sack him, they got to him a lot. They ran his face. They made him hurry a lot of throws. And it kind of started with that drive. And I think Cousins, I can never really place my finger exactly on what it is that I just. I'm just not really terribly impressed with him. I mean, obviously, he's a better quarterback than I'll ever be. But I mean, <laughs> compared to other NFL <laughs> NFL starters, I, I'm just, I've just never been a Kirk Cousins guy. I've never thought he's that good. And I think that's kind of what it is. I think he's such a momentum guy. So when the game started and the, and the Vikings offense were hot, was hot, you could see that he was jumping around. He was smiling with his teammates. He looked really energized. But starting on that drive, I, you just kind of started to see the wind slowly deflate out of him. And it it just looked like the Vikings had lost all the momentum that they had started with. And at that point, when you saw that the Ravens were able to score, like I don't know, I felt pretty comfortable at that point. I was just like, it might it might take them a little bit uh, to get the lead, um, which it ended up being. I think it wasn't until sometime in the fourth quarter. But it just looked the the Vikings just looked in this game to me like a, a track athlete who's running the mile and ran the first the first lap of the track. At a shade under what he would have run for a 400-meter dash, and then it was just sucking wind the rest of it as the other runners steadily crept up and passed him. Um, so, I mean, credit to the Ravens. I think the biggest thing you can say about this game is while they started slow, they continued to build momentum throughout the game and, and had a steady, steady finish, whereas the Vikings overall, I felt, were a lot more erratic.
0: I definitely think erratic is a good word of, of putting it, really, because, I mean, you take out basically three plays that the Vikings ran and their work looks a lot less impressive. So if you take out the uh, busted play, uh, the touchdown, the to Justin De- Jefferson, you take that away, you take away the 66-yard run from uh, Dalvin Cook as well, and you take away the uh, kick return at the uh, start of the third quarter, the Vikings really don't look all that impressive out of that. I mean, you're down two touchdowns and the 66 yard play, I think led to another touchdown. So um, that's almost all their points. I mean, granted. Yeah. I mean, I think their defense looked pretty good. They were pretty solid for most of the game. They're kind of uh, giving us fits in in various areas until we kind of figured them out in the fourth quarter and and started to wear them down at the end of the game. But uh, yeah, on the offense, just, I was only really worried about the, the Vikings defense of them being able to make a play, which they did, but, yeah, their offense just wasn't able to capitalize it, uh, capitalize on it at the end of the game. So, yeah, I, mean, I agree with you guys. I mean, overall, it was, it was pretty good, um, pretty good performance overall. The, the, the biggest thing for me, I think, that I really want to take away as a, as a positive was uh, just the ability for the defense to bounce back from uh, the first half. I mean, yeah, those, those big plays, it, it was starting to look like the Cincinnati game all over again, you know, just letting up big play after big play. But really, I I thought that drive uh, afterwards, Justin Matabuke, I think, was a really big part of kind of changing energy. I think he got uh, a pretty good stop, and he just looked fired up, uh, play after play. I mean, he was really playing hard. In fact, (laughs) I'm almost wondering if he was playing a little too hard and kind of... uh, uh, hurting the Vikings guards a little bit and kind of getting them in bad situations. I recall one of them being injured uh, shortly after that drive. But yeah, it was something I really love to see from him because I know he's kind of been a player where he's he's been good, but I feel like he's been a little bit streaky. Um, but for him to kind of be streaky in the right moment of, you know, when somebody needs to step up and make a play, I, I thought he was one of those guys uh, along a couple other guys like, like Pat Ricard um, to really step up when it mattered to kind of bring the momentum back in the Ravens' favor.
1: Yeah, I mean Justin Matabuke, I don't know if how much I'd really noticed him watching the game, but rewatching the tape, uh, he had his best game of the season uh yesterday. He was disruptive and what was interesting about it too was that the Vikings knew that he was a guy that they were gonna have to deal with. There were multiple plays, particularly on run plays, where they would throw the center and the guard at him and Early in the game, he was struggling with that, but as the game went on, he was able to shed those blockers and and at least help uh, in the run stop and and actually break free from those tackles. And and from a pass uh, rush perspective, several instances where he provided penetration and forced errant throws by Cousins, the game that he had against Minnesota is what we were expecting him to be week in and week out uh, from what we saw in his rookie year last year. Um, He was huge him and him and Campbell and Ellis had some good plays too the defensive line in particular yesterday excellent excellent game from that group from as far as what I saw
2: because they unlocked Washington dude he went and took up some snaps I'm telling you that's right
0: (laughs) we're calling it before the game hashtag free Washington (laughs)
2: free Washington
0: dude I I got me I got me chuckling in our chat the other night
2: (laughs) when you said that that was great
0: yeah I mean, yeah they freed him, yeah no he he uh you know, I think it was nice, um yeah, I mean, we didn't even talk about that
2: eighteen snaps thirty three percent like that's not trivial, he played more snaps than mcPhee, you know he i mean, that's what we're talking about, that's like i said, not trivial snaps that helps out immensely their overall rotation, so Madibuke down to just fifty six percent of snaps I wish uh I had previous game logs or like a, a spreadsheet of all of this because I bet you it's it's lower right not by much but i bet you he was in the like closer to 60s 65 but i think that helps i think it helps a lot so hashtag free washington yeah <laughs> you love to see it but yeah i wanted to talk about this defense it's kind of wild the defense gave up over half the yards they gave up all day in the first two drives of which there were 10 and i took away when i say 10 it's actually 11 but i took away the uh, kneel down at the end of the second half because that's that's stupid right Wait, it was it wasn't a kneel down Oh yeah, those There's tricksters, fake the fake, the fake meal down. Wherever yeah.
1: Fangio was, whatever was going on in that game, like everyone just probably just just turned their heads, just stared at him because he probably just let his his player safety sense was tingling. He just shouted,
0: <laughs> "F the
1: Vikings!
2: <laughs> <laughs> they don't care about their players." <laughs> Well, you know what's funny, too, is that I, I recall many, many moons ago, the like fake kneel or the fake spike. I can't remember. I think it was a fake kneel that um, Manning did. And then he just like let it rip, if I recall correctly. And I can't remember if, if that worked out or not, but I remember watching that game live and people were so feisty about it. Uh, and that, I can't remember if it was a spike though or a kneel. I think it was a kneel. I think he got like halfway to the ground. and was like, just kidding. And like
0: <laughs> trying to run the play do you remember that
1: i don't remember that one i I know i know i I know the marino one yeah marino was famous for for yeah
0: i think you're right though it was uh, uh, probably uh i don't know if it was like a two-minute offense it might have been like a fake spike but oh no fake it was a fake fake kneel down fake kneel down pay manning's on a whole
2: video about his fake kneel
0: down (laughs) (laughs) i'll watch that later gotcha Yeah, yeah 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 it happens sometimes but
2: yeah i forgot they fake that those tricksters God, that's one that like uh, kind of you want to punch them in the mouth afterwards. I'm sure other teams will now. Like the next time they try to, uh, you know, kneel the ball for re- for real, it's not going to be brother-in-law play. They're going to come after them.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting thing about the Vikings overall. It's just they they really put some trickery out there for sure. I mean, they had that, and then they had the uh, there was a a fake punt at one point. Yeah, they had the fake punt at one point as well. Yeah, so I mean, they really were uh, testing all phases of the Ravens just to make sure that they were ready for some things, but. On the other hand, yeah, like, I I don't know. Like, if I were a Vikings fan, I'd be like, if you won the game, I'd be like, oh, man, those plays are awesome. Like, glad you had them in your playbook. But because they didn't, it was more of like, I don't know. If I were a fan, I would just be like, well, why are you relying to trickery to, like, beat this team? Like, just be better, you know? I mean, if I were, like, if the Ravens did that, like, I would think the same thing. But I'm sure as a fan, it's probably uh, frustrating to kind of see that. But, yeah, the defense, man,
2: I think it all comes down to Mr. Bynes yet again. I think when this team started to get focused on defense, Bynes just had a breakout game, which is kind of funny to say about a veteran player. But, I mean, he just, I think he really took over the game. He was playing with enthusiasm. You could see how much fun he was having and how, like, it must be enjoyable dominating, you know? Like, when you're, <laughs> it's always good to, when you're playing well. It must feel good. But he, he felt like he was having fun out there and just playing well. And then what that did, I'm telling you, man, he's completely unlocked Patrick Queen. Patrick Queen, the last couple games have looked like the first round pick we were hoping for. It's kind of, I guess, uh, sad or disappointing that he's not quite at the level of um, being the mic and doing all that. But at the end of the day, for most of the plays, I mean, he's still out there, a large majority of the snaps. He's out there for two-thirds of the snaps right now. So that's still pretty high impact and he's making plays. I remember when one of the run plays was called he just shot that gap and he came in with such fire cook had nowhere to go and it, it was a negative play everyone was pumped up for him and that wasn't the only time he did that i mean i think he's in much better position the last couple games resulting in good plays and um i think it's making the defense better overall
1: oh yeah and that was a that was a clutch play too I, it, gosh it was just like an eight yard loss that happened there and oh yeah, uh, yeah. again you look back at that play uh, who was the main guy causing that that penetration and hole for a queen to go through. Hey, look, it's Matabuke again. Just incredible. Yeah, queen was able to fly all over the field, and I think that's another thing. I, you know, I, I heard someone else, someone else either, either read or listened to today, you know, remarked with how ever since Bynes has come in and, and taken, uh, taken the mic, how you know not only is is queen now in a position that's more natural to his fit. We're now seeing once again the speed and athleticism that we saw in the preseason, and we got excited about with this guy. And it's because he's he's not thinking as much because he's in something that's more familiar with him, and he's able to communicate with with Bynes, which I'm sure is pretty helpful with him out there. And I mean, rather than having you know both the the young guns, him and Harrison, you know, confuses what to do, talk it over with with the the super vet Bynes and. <laughs> you know it's been helping him get in position um there were times you can see that that he's figuring out where to be on his own as well which is good maturation in his of his game and there were plenty of instances in yesterday's game where um he was just in the right position at the right time had better tackling form and it has to be from Bynes. I, I we don't even know why they, they got rid of this guy. <laughs> like, it's not like he signed a huge contract in Cincinnati. It was like a one year deal, and they didn't even re sign him. I still don't understand why the Ravens I, didn't bring Bynes back. I, but I, I'm,
0: I'm glad you brought that up, Peter, because I'm 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 over here trying to think about why the Ravens didn't re sign him. And like, I, I thought I thought maybe it might have been that um, you know, Bynes is really good in between the hashes. So great at play recognition in the right, uh, in the right holes on the line, be able to make the run stops, um, but maybe he didn't have the speed to be able to get to the outside, and like I could see that as a legitimate, you know, legitimate excuse. I could also see it as just you know the Ravens kind of had to make a bet with one of them, and they thought that LJ might have been a better bet just because he was a little bit younger, and maybe could contribute a little bit more on special teams, but uh, but yeah, I mean after. I think they brought it up at the broadcast that Josh Bynes lost a, a few pounds over the offseason. And I mean, you saw him be able to make a play to push a guy out on the sidelines. I mean, he was running like almost as fast as Queen on that play, like as, as I would expect him to make. So, I mean, uh, you know, whatever it is at the end of the day, I mean, I don't even think you can call Bynes just a linebacker in between the hashes. I mean, he was making plays literally all over the field and kind of having an impact. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, whatever it was, man, if it if it was you know, because he wanted to, you know, continue to be able to play in this, you know, however many years he has left. That's why he lost the weight it was, you know, whatever it was. I mean, I think it's working and definitely the Ravens and Bynes both, I think, are benefiting a lot from this. So I'm, I'm super glad to have him back, man. I can't even think of another player like Bynes who's had, what's this, his third stint with the Ravens? And every yeah, third single stint, <laughs> every single time, like he's, I mean, he's gotten better every single time. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, and and I mean to your point to the the speed that Bynes still has with what he did with his with his workout routine to to maintain that as he's getting older, he almost stopped that that big cook run. Like he he oh, was yeah. there in position. He got to cook. It's just just the fact of the matter that, that I don't, whoever the right tackle is from Minnesota, number seventy five, he just came like a like a bull in a china shop and just was just plowing Ravens defenders over left and right. And Bynes had had a bad angle there, and, and it was an easy, easy block for him. Um, but I, but yeah. yeah, I would
2: not call that easy, dude. I mean, he he took care of uh, Averett and with one right hand extended, was able to just do enough to tap his shoulder to get him off track. I mean, it, I mean, that was a great play by the right tackle. I was our uh, left tackle, I guess. The pulling tackle. He was awesome, dude. Like that was. Uh, really good form by him. I don't think that's easy. I think that that, that was like a highlight block.
1: <laughs> okay, fair, fair. I was trying to give a little more credit to Bynes on that play, <laughs> the Homer in me.
2: <laughs> well, no, no, no. I think Bynes is like doing a good job. Like I think he was doing the right thing. It's just the I think he, that the the offensive player really made a great effort there, and and it sprung the whole thing right. Like I mean, it would have been like, a 15 yard maybe otherwise, and then it went for 66 because the second he turned that corner, he had Ellis like yeah trying with all his might to get after him and you're like that, that ain't gonna work same with the <laughs> thing with Madibuke, and the only reason it slowed down was the uh the sean Elliott. like you know i, I it reminded me of like uh just like kind of slowed him down like on uh, on basketball when you have like a, a fast break and there's two guys uh coming down and you're like the only defender you're just like i'm trying to slow you down a little bit maybe mess up the time of <laughs> the layup like you can't do much <laughs> you're not going to actually stop it yourself but you're just trying to slow it down a little bit
1: right that
2: was uh, Elliot there.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, Dalvin Cook is is one of the best offensive skill guys in op- in the open field currently in the NFL. So it's like, you know, most guys get that blocking from the offensive line. The Ravens should be able to stop him, but you get a guy to the pedigree of Cook out there. It's going to be tough. <laughs> so, you know, I, I you look at that play and you're just like, yeah, that sucks, that happens. But but I don't think, you know, you look at that and, and think that's going to happen too, too many times uh, for the Ravens this year. There's only so many running backs in the league that can do that. But you, you just got to chalk that up to that was incredible execution by the Vikings there and take solace in the fact that the rest of the game, the Ravens pretty much had had Cook bottled up.
2: Another thing I want to point out, too, just from a stat count perspective with Bynes is that he didn't play all the snaps either. He only played nine more snaps than, than Queen. So so if you look at it that way, you're saying basically for Queen to play at a much higher level, he's playing nine less snaps a game, right? <laughs> like it's not even all that much. I think it's been a really positive change for the defense. I guess the, the biggest negative for the defensive side was the loss of Deshaun uh, Elliott, which will be sorely missed with the torn pec and bi- bicep. We talked about how much of an impact he made coming back. To the chargers game after a hiatus he's been one of the best playing defensive players for this ravens team and uh obviously in his contract year three out of those four years being ended short by injury is super heartbreaking for the guy and i hope that he plays more downs in the purple and black and uh has a speedy recovery but uh this could be the last we've seen of him which would be absolutely. Uh, devastating honestly i think it's like uh he got taken away from us too soon like that's it'd be so sad if he doesn't play anymore for the ravens because he's just had such a bright career in the time that we got to see uh got to see from him so uh, my heart goes out to him
1: yeah definitely and i mean you know we've been talking this year about guys needing to tackle especially in the open field i mean elliot's been doing that for the most part this year he had some other great tackles this game. Uh, we talk, just talked about Cook's big run today. He also had a 15-yarder early. I think it was on the Vikings' first drive, and Elliott was just in perfect position past the first down marker to just basically plan himself and, and stonewall Cook and, and stop what could have been a, a, an earlier uh, huge run for, for Cook. Um, that's just one example of, of a number of big plays that he had yesterday. It's it's a shame, yeah. It's him and him and Tavon have just had the the worst injury luck, and hopefully he's back. It, it'll be interesting to see how Brandon Stevens plays the rest of the way, and if what he's able to do causes the Ravens to you know maybe th- think maybe Elliott is expendable, but yeah, you know, at the same time, both those guys have different skill sets, so it's like even if he Stevens does perform really well, even better than Elliott uh if that is possible for him at this stage in his career you you still be missing some things that Elliot brings to the table that that's just not the type of player Stevens is so yeah i th- i think it's uh hopefully for elliot wh- whatever happens he still has a, a career in the nfl but disappointing situation for sure
0: yeah i think it's definitely going to be interesting uh, on first thoughts i actually i kind of feel a little bit positive about it I feel like with Stevens back there, he's a pretty good cover guy. Um, I definitely trust him on the back end. Um, I know the, uh, the Vikings are trying to uh, throw a few things at him when Elliott was out, and he seemed to hold up pretty well. So I- I'm actually kind of excited because I think it could really uh, alter the defense a little bit and kind of have him more back there as a permanent, like a free safety fixture. And he can almost always be in coverage and then that way Chuck Clark can be you know kind of freelance a little bit. Is he going to be in coverage? Is he going to blitz? Uh, kind of open him up a little bit more. I know it takes away a little bit from that versatility because with Clark and Elliott back there, you kind of don't know who's going to blitz and who's going to cover because they can both sort of do the same thing. But I do feel like that Stevens is pretty good as a coverage guy, and so that actually might be a little bit better, at least for Clark, um, to kind of be on that hybrid role that he does so well.
2: I think it's very interesting what you said, Peter. This is a definite trial by fire for stevens to see if he plays to a high level eventually sometime in the next you know couple games um it would give the ravens a lot more ability to let elliot walk i'm very curious about the price i mean it's it seems interesting and like tragic to even say it to be honest but both elliot and peter's injury this year might give the ravens a chance to have them for a year longer than they otherwise would have uh, i could definitely see it for peter's him wanting to have a prove-it year with the Ravens, a a scheme fit like no other, by the way. I really think that Peters fits this defense so well (laughs) and, like, the style that we play, where he's, like, better here than he'd be anywhere else. And that kind of, like, makes him want to maybe be here for a year for that uh, next contract. So I could see him staying around, and I could see the same for... I don't know about Elliott being, like, better here, per se. I wouldn't go as far with him, but it's just a guy that, like... I know the Costa likes him a lot. I'm sure the organization likes him a lot. You know that he had a big impact in Bateman's recovery from the groin injury. I mean, he's just a great player, a great guy to be around the locker room. So it's super frustrating to see this for him. But if uh, we do get a silver lining and Stevens plays really well, that just gives the team more flexibility going forward. But I think they want more of these players because now the next man up uh, is going to be kind of interesting for the safety group. I guess it's going to be... The other, the other Washington. <laughs> We're going to free
0: the other Washington now. Um, maybe it'll be, be Stone. I mean, could be Jimmy Smith. They kind of rotate him a little bit more in there, uh, at least situationally. Yeah, yeah. What was
1: Jimmy Smith's snap count yesterday? One, I actually don't remember what one a whole one, snap, one snap, snap.
0: Yeah,
2: and, and it I was, was wondering, did, did
1: I miss him? Am I, am I not? Fig- am I just not looking out for him? I, I yeah, I it was super weird. on the
2: replay. It was super weird because I don't believe he was on the injury report this week. But he only had one snap, and McFeely had three, which was like quite the head scratcher. I mean, Ferguson had eight. Ferguson, sack yeah. daddy. I, I mean, honestly, I,
0: I honestly I don't hate it. I think situationally, though, I mean, I think Ravens have the corners to to line up against um, uh, Jefferson and Thielen, Um, but they they really don't have as many threats at the tight end spot, and so I think it was probably you know on purpose to kind of keep Jimmy keep them very light. Don't give them that many snaps to kind of have them for uh, next week against Miami. If we're talking about covering Jazicki. that's a really good point, dude, because this short week sucks and it really sucks for these veterans. (laughs)
2: So like, I think, I think it's a really good point that yeah, maybe they saved him basically for next week's game, kind of gave him an extra long buy and didn't want to use him. I'm curious what that one snap was for Jimmy Smith. I'd love to know which one it was because why? Why? <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? Maybe it was some situational play after uh Elliot went down because, like, <laughs> you know, if you're not going to use them, just go hard. Don't use them. <laughs> so they used it for one whole play. I wonder what it was.
0: Yeah, I don't remember. I have to go back and watch the tape. <laughs> I
1: mean, I did watch the tape. I didn't catch it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: Well, it was one of
2: fifty-four snaps. <laughs> Which one was it? I, no one knows. But, yeah, I think that's a, that's really interesting, guys. I, I That's a really good point. I really appreciate that, Chris. Because, like, this short week does kind of change the way that you approach maybe how you play this game. Because that's one thing I'm worried about. Playing an overtime game, extra snaps, uh, particularly for the offense, and then having to play next week or, uh, you know, be the first game of next week on Thursday night is going to be very interesting to watch out for. So stay tuned for the Dolphins preview to hear more on those thoughts. But, yeah, I think the defense overall, man, like how exciting was it to see them really like lock it down the second half? I mean, shoot, the same kind of criminal things they were talking about last week could apply to this week. Thielen got seven targets, only two catches, and Jefferson only got five targets. And I think the first three, were, uh, or the first two of the three that he caught were all in that first two drives. Like, it's kind of crazy to think that they – uh didn't use those stars. I mean, Cochlin, the tight end, got more targets than anybody or, like, tied for uh, the same amount of targets as Thielen. I mean, he's not nearly as good. <laughs> you know, like, it it, it kind of makes you scratch your head a little bit of what they were doing with their, their targets, or maybe we were just protecting that well. The defense was not letting them have it. Oh, I think it was the pass rush. I mean, I, I think there was
1: time for this place to, to develop downfield, but... But once the Ravens' defenders started breathing down Cousins' neck, he just he he was just so quick to get rid of the ball. There were so many errant throws that he had, and I that, that's why I think it was. Even though again they did not get a sack, but he, they were just in his face so much. And a, a quarterback like that, like you said, a, a a momentum guy, a guy who's looking to string plays across to get in the zone. You, you have all that disruption and, and Winks dialing up all those blitz packages. In my personal opinion, I, th- I just think that's what happened. I just think that, that Cousins just didn't perform well in there and didn't give himself enough time to, to let those guys do their thing. One guy we haven't talked about yet who, again, watching the game, you're just like, you don't really see this guy. But Tyus Bowser did a lot of little things really good in this game. He was really great in pass protection. The Vikings did not throw to him very often. They did not run to him very often. Uh, he was in position for a lot of plays. And I have it somewhere here in my notes. It was either in the I think yeah, the overtime drive, uh six oh seven mark on the second down play when for whatever reason the Vikings decided, oh, let's do a dump off to Cook behind the line of scrimmage and then run him off tackle on second down Bowser just set the edge incredibly well, blew past the tackle, just just shedded the tackle down to the ground and stuffed Cook for a loss, forcing a, a third and long, which the Vikings did not convert. That's a very critical play. It was a very critical play in that game. Um, and I think Bowser deserves a lot of credit for that, especially considering he was another guy like Matabuke that we were talking about. Like, hey, this is a guy who needs to, needs to step up post-bye. And I think against the Vikings, he definitely did.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up, Peter. Uh, I was actually going to mention him later, but in our uh, MVPs uh, section. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought that was a really <laughs> great play that you brought up. He had a good pass deflection earlier. I can't remember if that was on a tight end or the fullback or something, but he had a pretty good one there. And uh, I mean, he had you know he had the awareness to know on that uh, the fake spike at the end of the first half. He was the one who made the tackle for that play as well. So. Um, yeah, definitely not as you know flashy as a player. I don't think he ever is going to be, but he's definitely reliable, and we need people on that to play defense.
2: Yeah, I think the last thing I'll say about the defense was they were able to really respond after the Ravens drove down a lot of the field in overtime through that errant interception that was like kind of kind of scary because you know anything, literally anything the Vikings were able to put together would have won the game for them, but. Four and out, I mean three and out, they punted, right? Three and out, only gave up a yard. That was a huge defensive stop. They played really well, got pressures there to then allow the Ravens to finish. Well, after all that defensive talk, let's go ahead and talk about the offense. So like we said at the beginning of the show, they misfired at the beginning. Uh, Unfortunate drop by Andrews in the end zone. That could have been a touchdown on that first drive, so he only got a field goal. And then they just kind of misfired for... um, several possessions afterwards just punting it away uh so it went field goal touchdown punt touchdown punt 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 interception field goal so like that's not that's not the way you want to see a game go obviously lots of punts lots of drives just fizzling after a couple of yards maybe one first down teaser and um lamar looked off his game i actually have a stat here provided by jason from huddle of films he tracked it when the ravens were down 17 to 3 with 125 left at that point jackson was 6 for 14 for 56 yards zero touchdowns and an interception afterwards 21 for 27 210 yards three touchdowns and one interception that's quite the change and that's mm. that kind of embodies the whole offensive renaissance that happened near the end of the first half there where they were able to score the touchdown which gave peter the confidence that they were going to be able to uh be able to win this game
0: it's funny man when you talk about lamar everybody you know everybody outside of the ravens fan base i mean even maybe some of us in the fan base and not anybody here not pointing fingers but (laughs) uh you know nobody thought lamar jackson could come back and win a game it was all the narrative was just you know he's got to be ahead you know he'll beat you when he's ahead but if you can hold strong and kind of uh uh score first and prevent the Ravens from coming back they just they can't come back and this year it's it's the complete opposite um Lamar has definitely had a few of those games or he's just been off uh this is definitely not the first one this season but I mean heck man I mean they were down what it was 20 was it 24 to 10 I think and the Ravens decided to go for it on fourth and fourth and goal ended up scoring a touchdown like I mean that's incredible I mean, I, I didn't even think that was a great call at that point. But, I mean, just the – when you have Lamar Jackson, man, you can <laughs> – yeah, Well, feels, dude, it wasn't it feels just like that. It you could just do anything.
2: It wasn't just that, though. They went for it on a fourth and second at the 36-yard
0: line. On their 36-yard line. The, the same, yeah, on their 36, yeah. Yeah, yeah the same yeah, drive. Yeah, yeah. yeah same they went drive. for that. Yep.
2: They went for that, and then they – yeah, down in the uh, red zone. So, I mean, uh, lots of cojones for that drive. You like to see it. Analytics save the day. That was, was a touchdown for analytics <laughs> <laughs> incredible but, uh, man <laughs> yeah i mean it super cool uh and you know it's one of those things man like you need two yards they line up they almost always go in that dang uh heavy look when it's two yards right they're just like heavy and you're just thinking to yourself oh man they're gonna try to bully him and it almost always works it feels so good <laughs>
0: yeah oh, I, saw, I mean they were they were having some success with that i mean even in the beginning of the game i think um <laughs> it's it's not like years past where you you could the line could block for you know uh five six yards a clip and sort of you know feast their way that way but they can still get the short yardage plays they're having a little bit of trouble i think for anything beyond that unless lamar jackson's running the football in which case you know he can get whatever he can get but uh but yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, I thought overall the the Vikings did well, but they did well, I think, at preventing the big play. I mean, it was it wasn't until basically they figured out that they could throw these comeback routes to Hollywood in the fourth quarter. Um, they weren't hitting on anything deep. Pretty much, the Vikings had it covered. Um, you know, even the run it was like somewhat okay. You know, they were sort of preventing the Ravens from making any sort of big chunk plays, but. You know, it's just fortunately they were just able to grind them down and kind of just outlast them into that fourth quarter, and and that's really when things opened up.
1: Yeah, it was a really interesting day for the offense, especially that that first half. Just Lamar Jackson, twenty one carries for one hundred twenty yards. Seventy two of those were on were on scrambles, which according to Next Gen Stats, um, and if you follow us on Twitter, you already know this. Uh, the only <laughs> game in the Next Gen Stats era where a quarterback had double-digit scramble runs and he did that effectively and it's just like like we're saying the Vikings were taking away everything else the Ravens wanted to do but with this offense being as deep as it is the Ravens were just like all right well you know if if you're not gonna get let us throw deep to our tight end or our our new uh you know number one receiver uh we got this guy here He's six foot three, three hundred eleven pounds, and he can bulldoze people. So we're just going to throw it out to him in the flat and see what happens. And Patrick Ricard had that that big drive in the the, in the second half. I still got to love that play where he threw it out into the flat, and he's running, and the guy tackles him, just kind of lifts him up into the air a little bit. Ricard's still churning his
0: legs, and they still need two more defenders I to know. bring him down. That That's was a, That was a fantastic <laughs> play, man. God, it was just like it was one of those things. You just like, you know, the Ravens have all these weapons and things like that. It's just nobody. It seemed like nobody was stepping up to make a play, and the fullback of all players reminded everybody of like, hey, I'm a second contract player. Like I'm pretty dang good. I can still I can do more than just be uh, an extra lineman on uh, on pass blocking sets. I can actually go out and be a weapon that was that was absolutely crazy. It was between him and then c j ham from the Vikings too. I know we had i mentioned earlier that they the Vikings had like three big plays. it was actually four if you count that pass to c j ham in the the late the late half it was uh man, I don't think anybody any anybody had uh fullbacks for both these teams making such big plays
1: <laughs> man all right tangent time legitimate question should the Ravens make Patrick Ricard. A bigger receiving threat than he currently is. No, I do think that's the correct answer. Yeah, he's
0: effective because yeah. the
1: defense isn't expecting it. Dude, but. at this rate,
0: well. at this rate, you better ask the question of: Are the Ravens <laughs> going to extend Ricard next year? I mean, like, I, I thought, think so. I thought before, like maybe they weren't. Like that might not be an option. But like now, oh, like, they're, they're definitely failed. going. Now, to. They, now Mason have failed to. the test.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: and it's, our, our it's not just it's not fifth round just, pick.
1: Yeah, it's not just the catching man. like. He, he blocking was, was huge, once again, for Patrick Ricard. He just had some some nasty blocks. And, you know, Chris, you were talking earlier about how the Ravens had a hard time getting big big plays in the running game. In the overtime drive, the drive that, that you know, the Ravens would go on, down to kick the field goal, Devonta Freeman had like a 17-yard run on that play. And if you rewatch it, Patrick Ricard is, is leading the way, just mauling people down. <laughs> it's just he, – he's just been – He's taken his game to another level this year, as far as being a blocker, which has been sorely needed. Given obviously the Boyle injury, you know, update on Boyle, he's been activated to the to the active roster. Um, when they put Deshaun Elliott on IR, we'll see if he how much of an impact he is against Miami. But yeah, I mean, the, just Ricard doing what he's been doing this year, and especially as a run blocker. And pass protector as well. There was uh, in the second half, some of the adjustments the Ravens made were just shifting him out to to tackle, having him go in motion and and help out Villanueva or Phillips on pass protection. It's been huge for the Ravens' offense uh, with that that injury to a very key part of this offense in Nick Boyle.
2: Yeah, you're right. Uh, he even offered to say that he would be the emergency tackle if uh, if need be. So uh, you can add that to his list of versatility. Incredible. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah i mean uh what a, what a great guy uh, a lot of fun project pat and i was glad to see him have successes but uh if we want to talk about the real weapon then you get more involved
0: Devin <laughs> actually, actually, hang on hang on, no, <laughs> hang on hang on hang on i got one more thing about project pat before you go there before you go to yeah. like did you like i gotta put this out there did you guys hear the uh what the announcers what uh, they called project pat it was not project pat but it was it was just like the announcer earlier this season of telling everybody about how how O a is such a great name in Baltimore. this not announcer decided that project Pat was that wasn't his nickname said that Baltimore calls him Pancake Pat now I want to ask you guys, have you ever heard <laughs> Pat Ricard being called Pancake Pat before because oh, <laughs> I have not
1: <laughs> I don't think so, but I think to their fairness, I think he did have a pretty pretty nasty pancake block when that <laughs> was made. <laughs> No, I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone, anyone call him that before before that.
0: <laughs> All right, just make it short. Anyway,
2: go back to Duvernay. Go ahead, Alec. All right, dude. So, yeah, that's really funny, though. That, uh, that was well worth it, Pancake Pat. But, yeah, we got Duvernay over here. He only had two catches, but one of them was very acrobatic, perfectly ran route, great hands catch to get the touchdown. And he also had a couple running plays. Well, actually – i think that actually the other catch was the running play it was a, a slight forward pass a little ppr points for those uh at home <laughs> and uh <laughs> yeah i mean he did decent on that play he got a couple yards about three yards and i think that's like kind of what we were asking for He wanted a little bit more volume of that but i tell you that's a really great player there duvernay accounted for uh 41 snaps which is 42 percent of the offensive snaps so he's definitely out there and i'm just hoping he gets a little bit more touches with those snaps
0: yeah and i go back to Ricard for one second but I mean Duvernay and Ricard both I mean, had those two huge plays where they had to you know Lamar's pass was not very accurate and they had to kind of corral it with one hand Duvernay was able to do that in the end zone make an incredible adjustment to be able to pull that ball in was awesome and Ricard with that one pass and that we just talked about him kept churning his legs that was also a really tough pass for him to make Lamar threw it way outside and was able to do that I think he was, you know, in general, I think it wasn't his best game as a passer. But, I mean, the receivers, everybody, even Freeman. I think Freeman also had another pass where it was, I believe, that touchdown pass. Yeah, where He really pass. had to extend to be able to get that pass and corral it in. And I thought all the guys, I mean, Bateman as well. Bateman had another one, I believe. Oh, that man,
2: that was a crazy catch.
0: Was the incredible one. His big play of the game. I mean. It could have been an interception. Exactly, man. Like I thought just all the receivers from the fullbacks, the running backs, like everybody was just having a great game in terms of catching the ball i mean shoot man we just talk about how we love you know we love to have somebody like anquan bolden with the amazing catch radius and now it's like almost everybody on this team has the catch radius and we can see it every game incredible
2: yeah the the passing of weapons here definitely were the uh star of the show despite the fact that the running game got some success later on when we were just clearly the more um physically fit team so to speak they were they were gassed and that's when we really started racking up those running yards it was uh just domination at the line of scrimmage and really moving people so that was a a pretty big win for the ravens there obviously as we talked about the vikings defense for running was actually a very interesting rank where their devoa score was much higher than their actual uh production so, their production scores suggest that they were very bad at, at running defense. But then their DeVoa suggested that they were actually pretty good at it. I guess it was just a high volume. I don't know. Uh, I don't quite understand how that correlated, so to speak. But yeah, the, um, the, they were not a match. And maybe it was just because of their losses with uh, Pierce and Hunter, that they were just not a match for the Ravens near the end of the game there. They were really able to just grind them down with the run game. Just to kind of wrap up the receiver conversation, Hollywood Brown really brought it near the end of the game. Our number one pass catcher, number one in snaps. He went ahead, and like you said, all those uh, coming back to the balls, uh, having the negative yardage, yak, to then get positive yardage as he looped around the defense. He had no touchdowns, but nine catches for 116 yards. You'll take that all day long. Bateman with five for 52. Unfortunately, Chris, you were just off. They didn't quite get 100 yards with the uh unless you count Ricard as a uh, as an ancillary weapon, <laughs> then maybe it counts. But they did get the touchdown uh, with Duvernay and also Ricard, I guess. So I don't know how we'll count that bold prediction. But uh, overall, I mean, they did everything you wanted to see. I think I can't really have complaints other than the, the drop by Andrews from the wide receivers at all.
1: Yeah, no, it was a huge game from them. And we talked about Bateman's incredible catch. Once again, you know, just, just been an exceptional route runner is what we keep seeing from this guy. I'm really excited for this guy. This might be too early to say this, but I'm seeing like top 10 receiver in the league potential for this guy very soon. Um, he just looks like a, a really special guy in my opinion. And we're going back to the Freeman touchdown. Uh, defenses are, are having to now respect Bateman. We talked about how in the first two games he played, uh, he was wide open for all of his targets um now he's getting doubled on some of them and oh yeah, in, in the case of the of the freeman touchdown, yeah, that worked because because the d- two defenders bit on Bateman's shallow post uh and that just left Freeman wide open for the easy touchdown i mean, so i man, you know, we were excited about this guy in preseason that's why it was such a bummer to see him hurt. I mean, it's always a bummer to see any any player hurt, but just like, you know, we saw that film from the stadium practice and heard all these good reports from camp and obviously the scouting report on this guy. And he is as advertised. This guy is good. <laughs> this is, it's incredible. It's yeah. just like, it's just like how did the Ravens, the Ravens of all people got this guy. It's just, it's incredible. And I it's mind
2: boggling to think about the potential of a Ravens wide receiver uh, like this. All right. I got two things thing number one <laughs> another thing off the stat sheet was the huge dpi tory smith vibes uh, huge <laughs> yeah, yeah. huge dpi uh, down the field i think it was a 40 yard penalty it was it was significant so uh, that's awesome the ravens have gotten zero dpi this year like that was the first one basically a <laughs> uh, huge huge play that you know doesn't show up in the stat sheet and the other thing i wanted to say about bateman is that Bold prediction for the 2022 season. You're here to hear first, guys. In fantasy football, almost every year, there's two receivers in the top 12 scores. I'm saying next year, Hollywood Bound and Bateman are in the top 12 fantasy mm. wide receivers. I guarantee you they won't get drafted that way. So, uh, even if I'm wrong, I'm going to be right because I think they're both going to be values <laughs> in their draft position. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying. They'll be values in the draft position, but, uh, yeah, I think uh, you're definitely onto something there, Peter. I think despite the fact that the volume, quote-unquote, for the Ravens, despite the fact that Lamar Jackson threw for 41 times, oh, the Ravens don't pass. They pass. <laughs> they clearly <laughs> pass. Obviously, there was OT. There was OT. But, like, they pass the ball plenty. There's plenty to go around for these receivers to do well. And they're, uh, they're doing it. And they're the greatest wide receiver corp that we've ever had. I think I can say that with confidence now I think they're the best and deepest wide receivers we've ever had and they're still
0: young and they've yet yeah they've yet to even scratch the surface of their potential for sure they're yeah. all young yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah. awesome yeah. yeah I love it I mean it's it's crazy like the the day we finally draft a receiver that seems like he's the number one we already have a number one waiting in the wings that was drafted two years before I mean it's 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 incredible man I mean, yeah, like I, I hate to I hate to throw this out there just because like, you know, they're nowhere near the caliber of these players, but I mean immediately when I think of these guys, I think of like Bolden and Fitzgerald of just having like a, a dynamic duo of that of like I mean, they were a thousand yard receivers almost every year that they were together. I yeah. mean, I, I definitely these guys could be that for the Ravens. I don't know if it's a thousand yards, but I mean they're just they're playing incredible right now
2: the builds are different but i would kind of compare them to evans and godwin right now so yeah, like no yeah that's a good yeah ba- a good Ma- too, kind yeah, of the yeah. godwin and then evans the big play guy is hollywood but i think hollywood's a lot more than that i think he's better yeah. than evans but like yeah i think that's kind of an interesting comp but yeah dude like they were uh one and two in you know fancy scoring or whatever like huge production a couple years back so you can totally see the same thing happening for uh for these two in baltimore Let's go ahead and talk about the offensive line for a bit. This is probably one of the the only sore subjects, so to speak, uh, other than the slow starts. Once once the team got going, this team looked really good and hard to beat. Uh, And it was obvious, right, (laughs) they did not get beat. Uh, But uh, the offensive line, man, the pass protection was not very good, despite the fact of Lamar being able to navigate it and and deliver passes. Um, It's his comfort in bad pockets that allowed for that. Um, Powers really struggled. He had a really poor game. And I think at this point it's clear that once Cleveland's healthy he's going to be the ta- uh he's going to be at the left guard position because at least he has like potential to kind of go up. He has that like, just physical uh attributes that Powers lacks. I just can't imagine Powers keeping his job at this point. He's not doing enough. And uh it's kind of sad. I know a lot of people think that he's been okay and maybe at run uh protection he's been all right, but this pass pro's been really weak lately. Yeah, it was a a
1: mixed game for the offensive line. I mean, you got to give Lamar more time. That's for sure. He got sacked and pressured into errant throws too often. I I will say, I think that the offensive line is getting better. There were definitely some second half adjustments that you saw that allowed for more consistency as far, I guess, as having, you know, a, a positive outcome to the play. I did notice, you know, like I, like I said already, the Ravens uh, several times would have Ricard go in motion and help out with one of the tackles and pass protection. For a, a good portion of the third quarter, it seemed like every time they ran, they had Villanueva and Powers pull to the right. And every time there's a pass play, uh, like I said, Ricard or Tomlinson was helping Villanueva, and then Powers still pulled to the right. It was. Um, it, it was it was uh, interesting adjustment, but yeah, it, it's obvious that where the Ravens' offensive line is right now is is Zeitler and Bozeman are pretty solid, and then everyone else, it's like they make some good plays and then they make some bad plays, and you know, it, we'll just see how it goes. Again, I, I think the coaching staff, the track record here in Baltimore is is being able to take imperfect offensive lines and finding a way for them to gel. And like I said, I, I do think it's, that there were some positives in the second half with the adjustments they were able to make. But, you know, um, the Vikings, they, they have good players on their, in their front seven, but you're still going to – you still got guys like Miles Garrett and TJ Watt later in the season to go up against. And that you, you, you still want to see this unit play, play better before uh, going into those games to feel a little more comfortable there.
0: Definitely, definitely. You brought up a good point too, Peter. I think um, the Vikings in particular, I thought, were probably one of the most uh, uh, disciplined defensive lines I think the Ravens have played. Um, You saw it on a lot of times when they'd rush the passer. Um, As soon as Lamar would break the pocket, they would be off pass rushing again going toward Lamar immediately and so there were a handful of plays that I remember where a defensive lineman was able to make the play from behind and tackle Lamar for you know the running play and I feel like you don't see that often you always see them him outrun everybody behind him and they just sort of stop but the Vikings did a very good job of, of limiting them and getting those defensive linemen involved um I think you know as if I were a Vikings fan I'd be pretty happy with that just in terms of level of effort um but, uh, but yeah, the, the other thing I think for me, for offensive line, that I'd really like for them to clean up, and uh, it's not just pass protection, but I think they really need to clean up these penalties, uh, holding penalties on run plays. I mean, I you know, we haven't really talked about it at this point. Like, I don't want to get into, into it too much, but... I mean, there were a lot of penalties this game, a lot of questionable calls. I think so. Uh, we can maybe talk about those later if we want. But, I mean, the bottom line is that um, I think there were just way too many of them. I mean, there was that one drive in overtime where it seemed like almost every play <laughs> we had a penalty. And it was just a negative play after negative play. And I'm just like, guys, you got to put like three plays together so we can finish this game. Nobody wants to tie um i mean it's just i feel like it's it's happened you know i i know they want to make the run game happen and and you know they're doing whatever they can to do it but um they gotta get some of these plays cleaned up and and then play a little bit better as particular in these run plays but i mean I, i'm with you peter i think overall they can get it figured out they just you know need to make sure they have the right pieces and you know can finally put some things together game after game
1: yeah you do bring up a good point with the with the holding penalties, though, because
0: yeah, the, the Ravens.
1: I and I had forgotten about that. I guess just because so much happened at the end of that game, <laughs> but yeah, there was at one point where there there was like you're approaching the the two minute mark to go in regulation. Uh, well, not regulation in, in the game, uh, overtime, and it forced the Ravens into a, into a third and, and quite a bit and. Luckily, Hollywood Brown was, you know, no one could cover him uh, once the fourth quarter hit and beyond, and the Ravens were able to to get down to, like, the 35, I think. And then all of a sudden, okay, they're back right in Tucker's range. But that penalty was big. Like, you're right. The Ravens were in pretty big danger of, of coming out of there with a tie, and that's something that, you know, more discipline. You don't need to worry about that. So, um yeah, I. I that's something else that'll need to be cleaned up. But my takeaway from this group is still that, yeah, there, there's still things that you want them to perform better at. But we're seeing week-to-week improvement with this offensive line, and I I think that's really encouraging. But I guess we could talk about special teams, because I think you did get into a little bit of hero ball on, on that side, uh, ironically enough, because, I mean, you, you had the miscue with, with Stevens where – uh, he should have gotten out of the way because Duvernay uh, signaled a fair catch, and they were extremely lucky that the football came like within like an inch of those guys and, and didn't touch them. That would have been a pretty costly turnover right there. Boykin, uh, when they, they pinned that ball in, into the five, he... He caught it to down it but then then fumbled it and luckily ran right back on top of it but and then you add those two plays along with the giving off the the kickoff return first play of the second half is actually a pretty sloppy game from the special teams outside of Justin Tucker um so that's I'm sure that's something that that Harbaugh is going to want the team to to harp on uh during the short week
0: oh I thought the Boykin play was good I mean, the other two definitely negative could, could have been negative and plays and stuff like that. But oh, thought, it was good, but may, good, maybe I'm
1: incorrect on that. I thought I thought that he he downed it. I, I thought he caught it and then fumbled it, so it was a live ball at that point. But no big deal was made out of it because no Vikings were were in in the vicinity, so the Ravens were able to jump on it pretty quick um, and actually pinned the Vikings two yards deeper. But that just seemed a little sloppy. Yeah, I mean... I I, I could have the wrong read on that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just look at it. He, he made a pretty incredible adjustment, I think, to make that play. But, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, you're right. If there were a Viking player there, then, you know, you uh, can't rely on that. you got to make a little bit of a safer play. But, no, I, th- I thought I overall that was pretty good. But, yeah, definitely that breakdown on the the kickoff return, that was a little frustrating. I think just everybody was kind of flowing the wrong direction. I'm sure... Uh, I'd love to get an answer out of Harbaugh, just kind of like how that broke down, because uh, I'm not very, not very uh, in tune. I think with special teams play and, and how the blocking assignments going to work, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened there. But a couple of missed tackles and just people in the wrong position, and you, you never want to see Tucker trying to make a tackle you know he can probably make it he's made a few but he's he's not as fast as the other guys so can't always catch up to people i tell you man i love the
2: fact that we had to bring up the uh, special teams as like oh i guess we should talk about it with another ho-hum game winning field goal by uh the goat <laughs> justin tucker i mean we just come to expect it now it's like oh okay They yeah they won by kicking a game-winning field goal and of course they did right like it's uh It was funny listening to the press conference saying that at home, it's even harder, not just because the stadium is more difficult to uh, kick in than most stadiums, but, you know, he feels the expectation to deliver and uh, instead of playing spoiler, he has to like live up to it, you know, cold blooded. I love, I love the nuance. I highly recommend everyone listen to his uh, breakdown because, you know, these guys are so bored, right? At practice, because all they do is practice the same stuff all the time, right? As kickers. (laughs) That they got it into such minutia. They're like, well, you know, they just free-laid sod during the bye week. That means the seams are a little bit more apparent. I can't plant on a seam. I might slip. I might mess up my kick. Can't hit it with the same power. So I had to make sure we set up such that I wasn't near a seam. <laughs> and I'm like, of course, <laughs> you know about the seams and the sod. <laughs> like that's like how deep they are into the how they play. I'm sure Lamar wasn't thinking to himself, "Oh, I better make sure I plant not on a seam." And my five-step drop but no this guy i mean maybe that's why he got picked off yeah <laughs>
1: should i talk it's to Tucker seams. about that
2: <laughs> yeah it's i should know about the, the field the field condition but yeah he was talking about the seams of the sod and like he was like oh they're, they're three by five strips like and he was just going in such detail of like how this field's constructed and how it affects him and you know <laughs> i was just like what a guy
0: he should start a gardener business or lawn lawn maintenance business he'd be great at that but yeah definitely spoiled man i just uh you know it's 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 also one thing too right it's like I feel like the last two weeks the Ravens have sort of been in this position where like they could kick a field goal. It w- it would be a long, like fifty yarder. But I mean for Tucker it's like, you know, you throw him out wherever. If he's in field goal range, he's in field goal range, he's gonna make the kick. Um but even the Ravens have been like, Okay, wait, hold on, hold on. Like we don't love these conditions, like it's a little bit of a low uh impact, you know, we don't think we there might be a chance we don't actually make it here, so let's play it a little safe. Let's try to either go for it on fourth down or take a penalty and and punt the ball back you know um it, it's one of those things of like you know when you, you when you have the fan base even crawling for the kicker to come out and make a kick in, in some of these situations it's uh that's uh that's a uh, spoiled right there for sure
2: i guarantee it's a total shift i never really thought about it great point chris is that you're like with tucker you're just like oh yeah come on out like it's cool but i imagine other franchises at 55 yards 52 yards they're like oh i don't know (laughs) you know but like those are that's like is there not a six in front that's that's a gimme (laughs) like he'll make it more times than he misses by far and uh we'll take it every time yeah and that's uh i cannot be said man like kicks are much more high risk for a lot of other teams i think with all that let's go and talk about our mvps of this game i think chris you should go first you alluded to who your mvp might be
0: Yeah, I'll I'll give out my main one and then I'll I'll give my honorable mention. But uh, um, like I said earlier, uh, I really thought Justin Matabuke had a great game as a Raven today. I really thought that he was a key player to really get the defense back on track in the, the second quarter um love the s love the hustle from him uh, just love the ability for him to kind of make those negative plays and, and really stand out i thought that was great to see and then also honorable mention too like i said earlier tyus bowser uh definitely you know wasn't making as many splash plays as some of these other guys but i mean just a critical critical play to uh you know prevent anything from happening on that trick uh play at the end of the half um, and then be able to make those big plays. Uh, in the the end of the game uh, to hold the Vikings on on some of those, so uh, great performances from both those guys.
1: Yeah, there is so many guys you could pick uh, from yesterday's game. So I am also going to have an honorable mention uh, after I first give my my MVP to uh, to Hollywood Brown. Man, this guy is just he's just a wide receiver one now. Um, you know, he had I feel like he had very quietly had his well, I think pretty sure it was his fifth one hundred yard receiving game of his career, nine catches for 116. Um, Most of that came in the, in the second half and some really big catches in overtime. Like we mentioned earlier around this time last year was, you know, the game against Pittsburgh coming off the bye week again, he got that, that short touchdown. And that was, that was it in that game. There was the infamous tweet, Uh, a lot of of local uh, commentators and, and fans were questioning this guy, how much of it was him, how much of it was Lamar no questions now. I mean, aside from the three drop game in Detroit, this guy's had an incredible season and is, is a true wide receiver one at the NFL level at this point. Um, and in, in my opinion, honorable mention, I, I was really thinking about giving the game ball or the MVP to Devonta Freeman. Uh, you know, he's, he's didn't have like an outstanding game, but <laughs> he was RB one for all things considered. But I understand, you know, guys make mistakes, but he had a veteran, he had a brain fart there on that that play in overtime um, when Lamar got the pick. He should have he should have cut the defender, and and he just kind of froze and and I don't know what was thinking, just just you know, a vet guy in that situation. I guess just you know, everyone can make mistakes, but I I just couldn't give him the MVP because I am just like, oh man, that that play could have lost the game for the Ravens, but uh, I still think Devonta Freeman had a a good game and you know, he, he might be the, the main guy going forward, which is, you know, incredible to think, um, (laughs) going forward.
0: Right. When we were sure he was going to be the one cut too. (laughs)
2: Exactly. Right. (laughs) Yeah. That's been quite the turnaround by him. So great choices there, uh, for all of you guys, I'll have to go with, uh, our boy known beer owed for him. Josh Bynes, uh, still owe you a beer. I guess he owe you another beer. For this I mean you're gonna be really drunk <laughs> by the time you're done with me uh with all the beers I am <laughs> owing you Josh Bynes I think you had a great game uh and really elevated the whole defense and I guess I'll go ahead and do an honorable mention for uh, Rashad Bateman I think the fact that this guy has played uh 60 some snaps almost two-thirds of all snaps for the Ravens the last couple games as a rookie coming off that injury not that much practice time is huge he's been having great impact baller plays pro ready great runner up there so that wraps up another episode of ravens recap thanks so much for listening uh we appreciate all you guys interacting with us on twitter you can find us ravens underscore recap and then you can also email us feedback at ravensrecap.com if you can't quite fit into the length of a tweet So now with this short week, we'll go ahead and talk about the Dolphins, who we play on Thursday night down in Miami. A great travel game for those of you who uh, may be traveling to the game. That's super cool. Kind of jealous. But, yeah, we'll uh, break it down. This team's coming off a win. They doubled their win total with that one game. So, uh, you know, they're definitely going to be scrappy. We played a really long, hard game against the Vikings. This could be a definite trap game. You'll hear all our thoughts and more in the next episode.